0: This is the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast, presented by Fantazzle, for all your fantasy sports needs. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast. My name is Justin Brineski, and I'm joined via Skype by Ramon Ramirez and TJ Finley. Hey, good afternoon.
1: Good evening, Justin. It's good to, uh, good to be doing this again. I really enjoyed the, the
2: bowl game podcast. We've already had a pretty exciting uh, first NFL weekend, so I look forward to another one.
0: Definitely. Uh, we should bright. Let's go ahead and break down. Let's jump in with that first game on Saturday: the New Orleans Saints at San Francisco. Definitely an exciting uh, matchup here. Uh, TJ, why don't you start us off with any sort of your initial impressions and uh, going into this game, and any guys you think are going to be, you know, really
2: exciting? Interesting. Well, I, I think this game will be a lot of fun, and it's one of those. You actually have a couple matchups that kind of place these high-powered offenses without much of a run game versus more conservative, defensive-minded teams. You definitely have that going into here. San Francisco's got a pretty good run game. they got a pretty great defense, and they've been winning off the strength of defense and running the ball all year. But they don't score very many points, Uh, and that's my problem with with the San Francisco matchup is whether they can get in the red zone and convert touchdowns as opposed to kicking field goals. They kick a lot of field goals, but the way Drew Brees is playing right now, they might have to score touchdowns, touchdown, so we'll see if Alex Smith can try to match Drew Brees. That's a scary thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the quarterbacks are no comparison, and, and, and the skilled players are really no comparison. Frank Gore just hasn't looked particularly healthy in, in several weeks. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's tough to imagine the, the, the Niners outscoring the Saints, but statistically that's, that's what's going to happen. If you look at the San Francisco 49ers and what they're averaging at home, Versus what the Saints are averaging on the road, it actually favors the 49ers. And uh, read a football outsider's post today that made the, the really good point that this, this year's Saints is built on the the short passing game of Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles, and they haven't played a team that has two elite linebackers like the San Francisco 49ers do. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think it's just uh, everything is set up for you know a hot New Orleans team that has Super Bowl aspirations playing in. NFC West, uh, division winner, on the road as a favorite. Saints are 0-4 in road playoff games in franchise history. 49ers are kind of back into the groove. And Alex Smith doesn't have to be great. He just needs to be mistake-free.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you got to go back to the what TJ was saying, though, about San Francisco this year. I mean, Akers set the record for the most uh, field goals kicked ever by a you know, field goal kicker. And I think that kind of is sort of a huge warning flag for me looking at this game. This team sh- just hasn't been able to get, you know, touchdowns. And they, you know, playing the AFC West, um, or sorry, the NFC West, uh, even the NFC East to some exce- extent, they haven't needed to score those touchdowns, and they've been able to get away with it. I don't think that they're going to be able to manage that here. Um, so, I mean, that's why my prediction, I'm, I'm actually pulling Saints. Uh, I'm willing to take Saints, even if, you know, I think they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm willing to take them with those points, even.
2: It's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. I think – I don't know who I'd take. I think I'd, I'd lead the Saints as well. But, uh, you know, like Ramon was saying, I wouldn't be surprised if San Fran won this game. And, and, and it's a big game for them because they're kind of on the up-and-up. they got a new coach, Alex Smith, is kind of proving some people you know, wrong, and I think it really goes to show a lot about them because nobody trusts them yet. They, ha- they do have the weak division, and so nobody knows exactly what to think about them yet. So we'll get to see what they're made of. They can beat, they can beat New Orleans at home. I think it'll say a lot, and maybe they can make a Super Bowl run.
1: Yeah, one, I, I guess one, one, one quick point that I think is worth making. You know, the Saints, to the St. Louis Rams, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans didn't score about 23 in either of those games. I think that's kind of what we're looking at. This is a very physical, tough San the 49ers team. They have three first round picks along that offensive line. They dominate the battle in the trenches. They dominate time of possession. The defense for the Saints can't keep anyone off the field. You know, Greg Williams, for all his crazy wild blitz, hasn't been able to stop anybody. They haven't had a sack since, uh, mid-December as a team. Wow. I think all this spells doom for the New Orleans Saints. I love them. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think the 49ers win a close game at home, 23-19. to 19.
0: Wow. All right. Moving on to the Saturday night game, we've got uh, Tebow Mania going up to New England. Uh, Ramon, why don't you start us off with this one?
1: It's an interesting game because, you know, the uh, last Sunday, Pittsburgh steelers Denver Broncos game was the most-watched television program since the Super Bowl. Over 45 million people were estimated to have tuned in. And Saturday night could be even bigger. Uh, This becomes two marquee headlining names that everyone knows. Brady versus Tebow. Uh, battle of the heartthrob quarterback. So it's going to be a colossal. Then it's just a question of who handles the pressure better. And I think that that's where you look at Denver, which is a team that has very little to lose. Uh, play with a great deal of reckless abandon. And then that that last forty-something to twenty-something game uh, out in Denver a couple weeks ago, really close to the, the final score showed. It was a it was a seventeen-all uh, deadlock for a good part of that first half until uh, the Patriots broke free. So. You know, I think we all kind of expect a, a similar game. The uh, big, big X factor right here at Denver is Denver's a, you know, a banged-up team. They've had a,
0: an extra week of grueling, emotional uh, game to to deal with. TJ, do you have any thoughts you want to throw in there?
2: Well, I think this game is this is going to be a cool game. Again, there's going to be a lot of people watching this game. Uh, in fact, that first T-Bowl Brady game got a pretty huge rating for on a random night. And uh it's going to be good. I think the Patriots' offense should be able to move the ball on that Denver defense, so the Denver defense is not bad at all. The biggest question for me is, are the Patriots are going to be able to stop the run game? And that Patriots' defense is really bad. And, they, you know, it, it, they look bad, but they probably are even worse than they look, given the fact that Tom Brady, it makes them look good, and they, they've they won a lot of games this year. They're their number one seed. But I think that defense is really bad, and that Denver team – should line up and literally just pound the ball, and they shouldn't throw the ball. I think Tebow threw the ball 31 times in the game last Saturday. I think the sweet spot's going to be for Tebow to throw between 15 and 19 or 20 times in this game and just run, line up and pound the ball and make the Patriots step up and stop you. Um, you know, that, that that serves two purposes of keeping Tom Brady off the field and also getting downfield and scoring points. The scary moment comes for the Broncos if, like in that last game, they, they're keeping the game close and all of a sudden Tom Brady hits them for two touchdowns and they're down 14, and now they got to throw the ball. So if Denver can keep this close, I know that's how they've been their story all year, but if Denver can keep this close, and who, ha- who knows what happens in T-Bowl time. So I think this would be a pretty interesting game. If I had to pick this game straight up, I'd pick the Patriots, uh, but I think it'll be closer than the 13-and-a-half point spread that uh, New England's favored by. So if I had to pick it against the spread, I pick the Broncos to cover.
0: I I don't I don't personally have the kind of faith that you guys have. I feel like that last game was in Denver. This you know the playoff game was in Denver, and I think Denver you know definitely has one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. Uh, you know mile high. You know first you got to deal with the altitude, and I mean the fans there are pretty rabid, and I so I think that situation is very different from playing on the road, where I think playing on the road, he's going to, it's going to be just a lot harder for them to get going. I see the Patriots getting up big early uh, and then coasting. Can Will they cover the spread? Depends on whether or not uh, everyone kind of sticks with it, um, you know, or if the Patriots kind of get up and then coast a little too much and then they get a late touchdown that doesn't matter. Uh, but it'll be interesting to kind of see how it turns out. But yeah, ultimately, so I room. think I'm going
1: to pick the Patriots here. Okay. Yeah, you know the the, the Denver New England game is, is going to be event football, and so it, it will be this close, incredible, wonderful, dramatic game. It'll be over by halftime, and everyone will be you know ready for better, ready to go out by about 9.30 o'clock. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost the Denver Broncos because they treated Tim Tebow like he was a child, and they made Tim Tebow beat him deep. Remember, he was ten for twenty one, but he had. I don't know how many passes for over 30 yards. So it was kind of a ridiculous, wild up and down game. I, I don't see New England playing the Broncos uh, offensively in similar fashion. You, we all we all kind of expect the well, Belichick to come up with something, uh, but this is a Patriots team that's had uh, you know, kind of a history of coming up short in big games. Obviously, you think about the perfect Super Bowl. You think about the '06 team that lost in the divisional round to the Broncos. You think about the '09 team that lost at home to, to the uh, Baltimore Ravens. You think about the 2010 that lost at home to the uh, Jets. So that's two straight back-to-back home-opening playoff losses for the New England Patriots. Pressure's all on them. And that's why I think this game has a bench to be very exciting, very fun. Uh, definitely closer than the spread, but give me the uh, give me the
2: pass by 10. Yeah, Tom Brady is you know, 0-4 in his last four playoff games. And I think, I literally think, I'm to the point now where I think the layoff is going to hurt them. I think the offense will be a little bit out of sync just long enough to keep the Broncos in the game at the beginning of the game when they're trying to figure things out as well. The layoff... I don't might not be helping the Patriots, so we'll see.
0: All right, moving on to the Sunday games, we got uh, the Texans at Baltimore. TJ, why don't you start us off with this one? Let us. What are your um, initial thoughts heading into this
2: game? Well, uh, first of all, you got to commend the Texans. They got the first playoff win last week, and that's a really good team. They've had some injuries, and so nobody thinks that they can make the run, but. Uh, You know, Baltimore should win this game on paper. I think Baltimore is better at every position except for, of course, wide receiver. They're not better at wide receiver. But Baltimore, on paper, should win this game. They've had a pretty good year. And all the games Baltimore have lost this year have been the teams that they shouldn't have been on the same field with in the first place. And they just didn't take somebody seriously. So if they take the Texans seriously, they should win this game. However, the wild card is, of course, Joe Flacco. And is he going to be able to step up in a big moment if the game's on the line and then go take that team down the field? And we don't know that yet, but I don't know if this game will give it. They'll give Flacco a chance to even go win this game. I think they'll run the ball effectively. That Texans defense is really, really good, really, really talented. Wade Phillips has really turned that defense around and JJ Watts playing like a beast. But uh, I just think it's uh, Texas injuries will finally come up to uh, come back to Harlem. And I think that the Ravens will win the game. And, you know, I think they'll look impressive doing it. Yeah,
1: I, it's hard not to agree. Uh, really, I think this game, and, and T.J. hit the nail on the head, it, it's gonna be which Joe Flacco shows up. Is he the guy that's gonna sling deep bombs at Torrey Smith and sort of decide he wants to attack you with Anquan Bolden and can, you know, complete something like six or seven straight passes at Bolden like he did earlier in the season? Or is it gonna be the Joe Flacco that has meltdowns against the Cleveland Browns? I mean, and, and, and it's just tough to say. And that whole sort of era of quarterbacks, you know, Mark Sanchez, Joe Flacco, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, almost first round picks from a couple of years ago, Sam Bradford. These are overachieving kids that we all sort of praise as, have, as just being beefed uh, in the short term, but eventually, eventually the learning curve comes to an end, and I, I kind of feel like we're at the end of the rope for a lot of these guys. Joe Flacco being the prime example. Uh, you know he has a frustrated locker room in there because he is the reason the Ravens are not a dominant team. Uh, and if, if if he doesn't respond well on Sunday, the Joe Flacco era could be over pretty quick. It could, it could be on his way out, and that seems like a ridiculous notion. When you you know we live in the D, I live in the D, the D area, and Joe Flacco is a very prominent jersey. But the simple truth is, I, I think he's on his last legs with the team. I think he's running out of excuses and options, and so we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, I kind of I kind of think I kind of think he shows up for this one. Ravens have won to seventeen at home. Ravens should win by two touchdowns because eventually T.J. Yates won't be able to complete a pass in the second half, and that'll be that.
0: Uh, that's a really interesting point, Ramon, because those there are definitely a lot of quarterbacks that came out really hot and people praised early on, but uh, you know just didn't show their that kind of the same sort of progress that they showed their first year and their second and third year, and now they're in a place where people are like, well, you know, you were good for a rookie, but you're no longer a rookie, and you're still playing about at that level, and we need to kind of see you go beyond. Given that, though, I think TJ Yates is going to be the key to this game. Can he kind of, you know, come up big? I think the Texans have been able to protect him by running the ball so much and so effectively. And so, will they be able to do that this week? I don't think so. I think Baltimore manages to put up some points. Uh, you know, they can definitely go deep. They, You know, Ray Rice can take to the house at any moment. You know, it's just an explosive little running back. And uh, so I think Baltimore finds a way to get big, probably even, you know, gets a turnover or two to help out that cause. And then this, they have to kind of rely on T.J. Yates to, you know, catch him up. And I just don't think he can do it. So I, I got to go with Baltimore. Uh, you know, there's definitely the, you know, I think there's definitely the history there with uh, Baltimore, t- you know, sort of, Undervaluing opponents and sort of um, trying, you know, playing to the level of them. And so there's that concern where maybe they come in underprepared, but I think they find a way to pull this one out um, and advance the, to the AFC Championship game.
2: Yeah, I, I think
1: so too. And I, th- I think one, one other point with considering, you know, we, we already saw Baltimore play Houston at home this season, and it wasn't a close game, and that was with Matt Schaub. Um, so it's just hard to imagine this Texans team. For all the praise uh, about Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator, for all the great plays Jonathan Joseph makes, for all the excitement that Aaron Foster brings to the table, for all the sort of heroics that Andre Johnson can provide now that he's sort of healthy, but not that healthy, but he's kind of healthy, but you want him to be healthy. I, I just don't think. I think the feel of the story comes to an end. Similar to the Bengals-Texans game from last week, where we had two very similar teams, but one was playing at home with an electric crowd. That type of games that he's walking into. And I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's close for a little bit. Baltimore pulls away late,
2: 31-13, Ravens. And I think you also shouldn't take, you know, we can't take you know, the fact that Baltimore's coming off a week of rest, and they've had two weeks to prepare, and I think they probably lean more towards in that first week preparing for the Texans. Of course, they've been preparing all this week for the Texans. And uh also, I, I mean, I think you're right. The Ravens, they have to show us something. They're a number two seed. They won a lot of games this year, and yet nobody thinks that they can make that run. So they can, you know. In that second half, we're gonna to have to use this to show people, hey, we're coming, and we can go to New England if we have to and win a playoff game, or you know, we can we can have Denver come in here and win a playoff game if we have to. But I think uh, the Texans, great story. It's just not usually the year with all the injuries, but you know, we'll be looking out for them next year. Definitely. Yeah.
0: All right, and then moving on to the game of the weekend, at least as far as this podcast is concerned, uh, the New York Giants going to Green Bay. Uh, I think it, you know this is a, a key moment when we need to definitely disclose that TJ and I are both big Giants fans, and oh, Giants. Ramon is a uh, Cowboys fan. So I think, uh, Ramon, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with this one, uh, because you're probably going to be able to give us somewhat unbiased, although I think you do have a little bit of dislike for the Giants, so you may uh, maybe you are a little more biased than I'm giving you credit for.
1: No, I, I actually dislike both teams equally. I, I hate the Green Bay Packers. I, I hate teams that sort of uh, project value and project being better people than you are because uh, of what they embody and what they personify. They're one of the most bandwagon teams in the league, and and just like the Cowboys, just like the Steelers. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely disagree with that because at least the Cowboys have no preconditions about being better people. Uh, that represent a simpler, happier time in America. Uh, that being said, um, I think eventually uh, I, I would like to see, just as a fan, I'd like to see the fan of the Cowboys, right? Like you always want. You're you always want the team that you almost beat to, to do really good things because then you can sort of pat yourself on the back and, and feel good. So obviously, it'd be nice to see the Giants go in there and win like they did in that 2007, 2008 uh, season in that iconic NFC Championship with all those weird Lawrence Kine field goal attempts. Um, I think what's going to happen is that the 15 and one team wants to dismantle the nine and seven team. Uh, Packers have, uh, you know, they've been the front-running team all season and then they sort of quietly went away. And all of a sudden, people feel like they can go and beat the Packers. And we've seen this happen in the past. You know, we had the Saints go 13 and 0, end up 13 and 3, and a lot of people thought the Cardinals could go in there and win. And this was just a couple of years ago. similarly with the Colts? Um, I think, I think the Giants have a lot of good things going. Uh, most notably, Victor Cruz and Pierre Paul, two revelations this season that have been the difference in that, in that tough uh, NFC East race. Um, but Eli Manning has uh, has a, a gross, ugly air game in him that you can just kind of feel coming as a, as a as a football fan. So I think I think I think the Packers win this one fairly easily. I don't even think it's as close as it was last time. Uh, give me the Pack thirty eight to twenty.
2: Sorry. Interesting. I think. Uh, all right. Well, first of all, I am a Giants fan, but I'm gonna point out some things that scare me about this game. One, the Packers they're fifteen and one. They're a good team. Uh, They have played earlier this year. Uh, The game was close. Uh, The Giants really kept it close. And it was actually the game that kind of got us on that win streak that got us into the playoffs because we played them really close. At the time, Green Bay was still undefeated. And uh, But, uh, you know, Eli goes down and scores the game, and then the defense just totally gives up. Um, our secondary is still not playing that well. They're, they look better because our linebacking core is existing now, and it's actually playing well, and our, of course our defensive line is playing really great. So the pressure's kind of been off the secondary, and that's, that's what the Giants are going to have to do in this game. They have to keep the pressure off the secondary. Aaron Ross will be playing, but he's banged up. Corey Webster's been having an okay year, but he's up and down. And But the good thing is that Greg Jennings, although he'll be playing, he hasn't played in a couple Weeks, so maybe he'll be a bit slow, but you got to shut down Jordan Nelson. What scares me about the Giants are one. Mostly, they're special teams. Their special teams are we can't fill the punt cleanly, and we've they've had three or four guys that they put back there to field the punt. We're not asking for a guy to try to take to the house. We're literally just asking for a guy to catch the ball and not fumble the ball, so we can see if we can get that. And two, Tynes has been really struggling, and it's been really weird to see. He missed a couple field goals in the Atlanta game that didn't end up mattering. He's been missing field goals down the stretch this year, and it's been kind of crazy. So I don't like our chances if it has to end up on his foot. Um, The Packers are. What I do like about the Packers What I do like about this game This matchup is that the Packers are very one dimensional They make no mistakes about it They're not going to try to have an illusion of having a running game Because they don't Ryan Grant's not very good Uh, The backup guy's not very good either And they just don't run the ball very well So the Giants will know they can pin their ears back And have that pass rush coming at Aaron Rodgers And that works to the Giants' advantage We don't have to worry about stopping the run Like we had to do against Atlanta last week We can bring all the pressure we want to um, I don't know who I think is going to win this game. I, I, I'm really on the fence. I was pretty sure the Giants were going to beat the Falcons. I don't know. I think this will be a good game. I think it will be close, unlike Ramon. I think it will be close. But at the end of the day, it, it's going to be who has the ball last, just like it was last time, I think. And if the, if Eli has the ball less, I think we'll go win it. If Aaron Rodgers has the ball last, I think we'll go win it. So I think it will be a pretty good back-and-forth game.
0: I actually uh I mean I've got a little bit of belief. I'm you know and maybe I'm you know pulling the wool over my own eyes here but I have to, I have a little bit of belief in the Giants here for a couple reasons. I think they're going to pull out that Super Bowl strategy where I mean during the year when they played the Patriots in 2007 that was you know similar I think it was 38-35 outcome uh, with the Patriots winning, then they went, and that you know Super Bowl was low scoring because they established the run game, they slowed it, you know they just minimized the possessions, and so I think the Giants are going to do a very similar thing. We saw Brandon Jacobs running again, like someone whispered in his ear and went hey you 're two hundred and sixty pounds run over someone and he 's like, "Oh, I can do that," and he started doing it again, and so I think you know if we can see him running over guys, the Giants can run the clock down a little bit. I, you know, I disagree with Ramon in that I don't think Eli is necessarily due for a bad game. He's been playing a lot better. He has, he's been a lot smarter with the ball. He's not turning it over. He's making smart decisions. And his receivers are healthy. So much of the year he's been, you know, Man- you know Manningham's been out. Crew's kind of emerged. So he was, he's been dealing with like two targets all year. And the fact that he hasn't had more turnovers this year is somewhat remarkable. Particularly because, I mean, you look back to last year when he had all those turnovers so many of them were coming off receivers' hands, and I think you know now he's he's finally at a place where he's comfortable with his receivers. we're not seeing as many drop passes uh, and so we're not seeing the kind of turnovers that killed them in that first game. you know uh, I want to say you know Matthews had the re- touchdown return uh, off of Eli pick that kind of got the Packers going and I think if the Giants avoid those mistakes on you know and Eli doesn't make those mistakes, which I think he can do, and the defense. Brings the pressure. We, you know, last game they didn't have you some, uh Osiyumanura. Uh, they didn't have uh, Michael Boley, who's I would argue their best linebacker. And I think the the addition of those two players, plus uh, you know, Pierre Paul has just been getting better and better as years gone along. I think the defense is able to come up big. This Packers defense doesn't scare you. They're 32nd against the pass. They can be taken, you know, picked apart by the by Eli and these receivers. And so I think. Uh, because they slowed the game down, I think defense is going to come to play. I think it ends up a relatively low scoring. I don't think either team uh, gets into the thirties, and I think uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say the Giants win this one.
2: I think something working in favor of the Giants also is. Uh, what you were saying about their targets. Uh, you have Manningham, who had a pretty big game last week, including the touchdown. He's been pretty bad all year. He's been banged up. He actually dropped a game winning touchdown in two games this year, one of them being in that San Francisco game. And he's really been having a rough year. Uh, Knicks has been having a rough month, I would say, but he also really had a good game last week. And Victor Cruz didn't have that good of a game. So if we can, if Eli can get all three of those guys to be clicking them at the same time, which hasn't happened all year, if we can have Cruz, Nix, clicking and Manningham clicking against a really bad secondary for the Packers. I think that, I, I think it get ugly really fast because Eli's literally had one to two targets every game. If he can get Ballard getting the ball, the run game going, and have all three of those receivers getting open and catching the ball when he puts it in their chest, I don't think the Packers have a chance. But we haven't been able to put a game together like that all year, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are sort of describing the perfect storm here. I mean, I, 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 I certainly agree that the Giants are a hot team. Giants are a really united team. Giants are playing for the coach. Giants have a lot of talent, especially on the defensive line. Giants have healthy receivers, but I think you guys are sort of overlooking the biggest mismatch on the field. And that these Green Bay receivers, even with, even without Greg Jennings going against this poorest, uh, New York Giants secondary to my boy Tony Romo, Sort of uh, sliced and diced uh, uh, you know, during two consecutive games. I-, I think that's the biggest mismatch on the field. I think that's where the-, the Giants, even if even if they even if the receivers emerge, even if Eli gets going, even if Eli throws some 400 yards and three touchdowns, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have more. So I, I think I-, I just don't see a path to victory for for the Giants in this game. And I think the biggest factor, you know, because I'm a very emotional gambler, I was ready to bet on the on the Giants, certainly against the spread and even the win outright. But then we have the, you know, sort of the tragic, unifying, terrible story of the offensive coordinator, some passing away this weekend, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of an unthinkably horrible, uh, environment, and you have that, that Green Bay crowd, you know, famous for, you know, the fact that Lambeau Field is in a residential area, when you go, you have to park in neighborhoods, and you have to tailgate with people to live there, and everyone kind of hangs out. When you talk about a community coming together after a tragedy, I just don't see Green Bay slowing down. I see them completely focused, I see them completely sober, and I see them winning handily, 38 to 20.
0: All right. Well, we dis- will agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah. So I, I guess winding
1: down the podcast, definitely uh, I, I feel like it might be might be sort of wise and smart to to, to look at the storylines and, and see what we're looking at with some furthering questions. A couple of things that I'm looking at. Uh, you know, Sunday in Green Bay is Matt Flynn the best player on the field. <laughs> Dude, I mean, honestly, here's here's the thing. Like, I what's well, probably going to happen like in this game, and and, and it you know. The San Francisco 49ers and the Premier Packers seem kind of like that's the that's the lackluster NFC Championship game that we're going to get. Like we'd all love to see the Saints play either of those teams. Like it was, like the Saints, Saints Giants or Saints, uh, yeah, the Packers would be like a, a ton of fun. But I just feel like the ugly, crappy nobody likes you 49ers are going to win at least one game. You know what I mean? <laughs> teams like the Niners and the Ravens always win like one game, and they just kind of like next thing you know they're they're on your championship Sunday docket it, and it just kind of pisses you off. You know? <laughs> so we so like. But Carolina, those John Fox, Carolina Panthers teams would do that all the time, you know. They were like, like, it was unwatchable. Remember, remember it was like the Seahawks and the Panthers with the <laughs> NFC championship game in like 05? It was the worst, you know, and I just feel like we're headed for that. Like, I would love nothing more than to see the Giants and the Saints play next week for the Giants.
2: But That's why my chapter like matchup game. that I'm really, really, really scared about because those Saints beat the shit out of the Giants, and it was no fluke. I, I think that matchup, there's no way I'd pick the Giants in that matchup. But I, I like the Giants' chances going to San Francisco. I hate our chances going to New Orleans. Yeah. So I, I, I would actually give me the Niners and make it a boring Alex Smith talk, all that. I mean, at least we can win that game. I don't think we can beat the Saints. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, Giants-San <laughs> Francisco would be cool, but giants Packers would not be cool because the Packers look like crushing the 49ers, and it would just It would, just yeah. it would be like a crappy game. Um, I don't, know, I don't know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And then that Patriots, and you know, another thing we didn't even talk about is, like, what, what's the weather going to be like? Is it going to be cold and snowy in Lambo? Is it going to be cold and snowy in Foxborough? Like, I have no idea.
0: I don't think uh, so. Yeah. It's going to be, like, 18 degrees at Lambeau, but not, like, Dang. snowy or anything. So Damn. Relatively balmy, apparently.
2: It's got, what's the weather going to be like in San Francisco? If they can get some really shitty weather and make that field slow, that really goes towards the 49ers' advantage. Yeah. No, they've been.
0: they've just been, like watering that grass all week. It's like a flood on this field. <laughs> yeah.
2: it's Good, like that's a- exactly what they need to do. Literally, all the gamesmanship you can think of, just make the field as is- possible, and the Saints have no chance.
1: Here's one. Which seminal hip-hop scene will prove to be the best? So, you know, we have New York, we have San Francisco, we have New Orleans, we have Baltimore, we have all these all these cities with like super important hip-hop scenes are all playing.
0: Green
1: We're Bay. Houston. Green Bay, of, Green- of course. <laughs> <a> real crucial <laughs> hip
0: Green,
1: green Bay, yeah, Green Bay, yeah, exactly.
0: Gentlemen, uh, do you guys want to go ahead and plug anything here at the end of the podcast?
1: Uh, yeah, just remember Ramon Ramirez, me in the uh, Washington City paper, follow me on Twitter, at a Thousand grams spelled out, and we'll uh, talk sports. Uh,
2: TJ, I'm at Terrence Jr., uh, nothing a pub, just uh, follow me on Twitter, and uh, I look forward to a pretty good weekend of football, and uh, go Giants, man. Yeah,
0: TJ is definitely very active on Twitter, so make sure you follow him. Ramon always got you've always got great content out there, so uh, make sure to check him out. And I'm at Jay Berniski if you want to catch me on Twitter. Uh, and as always, make sure you check out all the fun, exciting fantasy games. If you're uh, into the gambling, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to, you don't want to pick games, but you want to pick players to play you think will do well. Uh, check out com. Lots of great uh, playoff games right now. So. All right, guys. Hey, uh, always a pleasure. Good talking to you. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All, all right, right Let's do
2: it again next week, yo.
0: All right, sounds good. Right on. Take it easy, guys. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the FantasyFootballSportal.com podcast. For more content, check out FantasyFootballSportal.com or com for all your
2: fantasy sports needs.